So in this segment, uh, we will discuss with Manish, what are the uncertainties? What are the, uh, you know, risk management uh, techniques they use in, in coffee business? So Manish, let's begin before we, you know, we step a talk about uncertainty. Let us begin with uh, the factors that cause volatility in the prices of coffee and how do you manage that risk? So the volatility in coffee prices um, is driven by many factors. Of course, the overall supply and demand being one of the main uh, reasons, which has then an impact from weather, from pest and disease pressure, anything that really alters the, the price. size of the crop. Yeah. Right, right. And then, of course, there would be other factors which are also becoming more important, like, you know, the overall participations of non-commercials or the financial markets, the currency interest rate markets. Uh, and, you know, because those also have a, an impact on the, the farmer's ability to hold or the ability uh, to generate that revenue in local currency that is most important for him. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so it's, it's all of those that cause volatility in coffee prices. Oh, so whether the farmer can hold it or he has, he has to yes. sell it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what about... Uh, do people see this as an asset class and, you know, if there is a direction, there is a movement in coffee prices, do funds uh, invest in coffee futures and yeah. things like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, when I say financial markets and, you know, the participation of non-commercial, so like in any commodity, the or commodities generally have become a, an important um, asset class for right. the investing community. And right. therefore, like they look at different industry sectors, they look at um, uh, ags, uh, you know, so coffee is part of soft agricultural commodities. So what, you know, they call it the softs or soft ags or whatever. So hmm. uh, it is a it is a interesting asset class for them. And therefore, they always track these uh, different asset classes and therefore in coffee, whenever they see an opportunity uh, where they feel that, you know, there's talk that the next crop is going to be short or Brazil is going to be having a big crop and, you know, there's problem with weather and there's any factor that can impact that that oh, is going forward. Uh, they get very active and also apart from the pure fundamental research that they subscribe to, they also work a lot on technical factors just looking at the movement of the market from a technical perspective that you know uh, whether it's a 100 day moving average or the 200 day moving average of the prices if it causes a certain spike above that level or below it gives trend signals from a pure technical charting perspective to these guys and therefore they enter and exit so it it broadly on a longer medium term horizon tends to play along with fundamental supply demand patterns but on a shorter term it exaggerates that and also it kind of timing becomes more important when you look at technical uh, play. So, so yeah, they are very uh, active and, and they do move markets uh, various points of time. So since you, you as a trader have to not only keep your eye on the supply demand, uh, but also these players. So how do you manage these risks? Um, you know, in you volatility, mean as a, volatility risk. Uh, as, a, as a trader or as a producer? Or both? No, uh, since your background is more trading, from, yeah. trader, but I'm I'm more than happy if you cover both. Uh, you know, yeah. not only for your uh, uh, traders' positions, you know, uh, but also uh, producers, right? I mean, broadly everybody hedges, but then you could yeah. go deeper into. 
Well, so I think uh, the so hedging, of course, is you know one part of it. Hedging uh, not only as a straight hedge, but uh, you know when you say straight hedge, means normal direct uh, uh, positions or futures, either short or long, depending on your other physical side of it. But but also using various option strategies to try and um, help you navigate through this because you know. Um, also, within coffee, uh, when you look at uh, various coffees, they are not 100% uh, correlated uh, to some of these markets because right. the market is an aggregate of all coffees. So if you look at the Arabica futures market, it is an aggregate of all the origins as well as all the grades of coffee. And the way right. you uh, overcome that is by the concept of basis where you say, okay, the market is X and therefore I trade at a discount or at a premium or at a significant premium to the market because mm -hmm. my coffee grade or my coffee quality is different. And yeah. so, so because they are not hundred percent correlated, therefore um, options also sometimes are a useful tool to, to hedge that position or to partly hedge or reduce that risk profile of that position. But of course we can only hedge uh, to a large extent price, uh, mm -hmm. but as trade, the other risk that we run um, is of basics because you know in every country every origin your procurement is for a short period and one of right. the functions of the trade is to carry that coffee because the roaster wants supply throughout the year and therefore one of the functions of the trade is to provide that uh, mechanism to deliver throughout the year so mm -hmm. um, but then basis is where that's where basis comes in because um, I might have bought because how basis is essentially a difference between futures and physical. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And when we buy during the season or, you know, whenever we buy, we tend to lock in that basis. And when we trade, we don't trade. Uh, most of the larger sophisticated users would buy the coffee on a differential, which means on a basis. So they don't care what is the price because they do their pricing separately on the futures market. So they also look at saying, look, I am going to be buying coffee at 100 over or 100 on or 100 off or 100 under. And therefore, uh, you know, you only negotiate that. So uh, some part of that is is a more tricky challenge. Although the whole idea to convert the risk from price to basis is to reduce volatility. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, we, so, so hedging, I would say straight hedging, option hedging, um, you know, having a, a larger portfolio so it kind of mitigates it gives you a bit of that portfolio effect uh, between origins and also uh, perhaps uh, you know uh, having a mix of uh, conventional speciality because speciality tends to be a bit more sticky or more differentiated coffees let me qualify that instead of saying speciality more differentiated coffees in your portfolio tend to be a bit less less volatile because it is limited supply and also uh, it's a more niche kind of a demand mm -hmm. so people are not that active on really pushing you or being very uh, um, you know price sensitive on that so right right and if i turn it around for producers i think uh, probably hedging again would make sense but not many would probably have access to that Okay. But, uh, but so for them, if you look at non hedging strategies of how to mitigate this, I guess there would be two that come to mind. One would be, um, again, focusing on processing and therefore trying to get your coffee to a higher level and therefore taking them out from commercial or conventional to more high end or speciality because mm -hmm. there you get much higher gains. 
and the other part i think is productivity because you know whatever said and done uh, the 5 to 20 30 40% premium that you get most of the premiums for certified coffees would be in the 5 to 10% range and uh, so those can never compensate for loss in productivity and mm-hmm. therefore a uh, brazilian farmer is always going to be at a much better position than mm-hmm. whatever let's say indonesian farmer or or a vietnamese farmer will always be much better than somebody who is an indian farmer or ugandan farmer although the indian farmer has moved more towards quality and therefore is already there mm-hmm. but i think for smaller producers so i would say hedging uh, movement towards uh, higher quality and therefore tapping the differentiated speciality market mm-hmm. and third would be productivity because there is no other real easy way to because the market is much larger um, obviously much more volatile very difficult at a producer level to be able to you know even for trade it is difficult at times to fathom what's happening in the market so therefore you can't expect a boost to that right so as as uh, some of the larger traders had they gone into more vertically integrated uh, operations so that there is um, less uncertainty in their uh, in their business does that help them it does but uh, i think both from both sides of it uh, some of them have moved into uh, you know uh, more midstream uh, i would say into some some parts of manufacturing like uh, soluble coffee manufacturing all the roasting is not really something that is uh, that a lot of roast, a lot of trade have done because it's a totally different business and then at some point you start competing with your customers so that's not been the case but upstream is a very different uh, you know uh, kettle of fish i think uh, coffee yeah. has been pre- predominantly a small grow crop and therefore the scale and the investment and the time horizon you need because coffee is not a row crop so uh, you know the moment you start putting in money uh, for coffee plantations or coffee estates it takes you 7 8 9 years 10 years to recover your investment and therefore because the first crop itself will come in year 4 or year 3 and then your peak would be year 5 year 6 and then you start to recover so, so you focus on the processing side rather than on the yeah. plantation side so, yeah so some some of the trade have uh, some exposure to plantation but as a percentage of the overall business uh, that they do in the green coffee supply chain uh, the plantations is very small right so when we uh, so when, when we look at the um, you said that uh, uh roasting is is a you know people who have gone into soluble coffees don't look at uh roasting side of it correct you just may, i i heard you mention that no so i'm saying the uh, uh soluble people some of the trade have gone into soluble because soluble uh, there is a large private label market to it uh, right. because not Absolutely. everybody is a large manufacturer like an sla or some of the large you know True. market leaders Glad you so there is that, a, yeah. yeah there's a large market for the white label or the or the supermarket uh, label coffees right exactly either supermarket label coffees or even smaller uh, brand owners brand who owners. don't have the investment to put up a factory because you know a soluble factory would be 30 40 50 100 million dollar that range so if you are a small um, a brand owner you would rather focus your resources on marketing and building that brand rather than investing and you work investing. with someone and you you buy your uh, raw material in a certain blend or in a certain taste profile and then you do your packing yourself so there is a lot of that that industry is quite large 
Right, right. So, uh, moving on, I mean, uh, you made some references to certifications uh, and, uh, you know, uh, fat trade and cafe yeah. and so on and so forth. So, so what are the environmental impacts of the increase in demand for coffee? I think the, you know, there is obviously some talk about, uh, okay, we'll discuss on water separately, I guess, but uh, so one would be, of course, land that that is the biggest uh, pressure or environmental impact on the demand for coffee, because uh, with increasing uh, requirements for coffee, there will always be one pressure to intensify production systems to take more coffee out of the same plot of land. And that would mean higher um, uh, demand for fertilizer, for uh, inputs, for water and pesticides. Um, that has an environmental challenge or footprint to it. Right. And there is, there, it also has a bit of finiteness to it because uh, from where we see, despite developments in you know science and varietal availabilities and better uh, farming technologies, I think there is still some bit of, we've come a long way from where we started 30, 40 years ago. But yeah, that's one part. The second would be um, larger area needed for catering to this demand. So obviously beyond the point, only uh, efficiency or productivity gains will not be suffice. You will need to have uh, more area. And that area would mean the need to more highlands. More yeah. highland, the need to clear more fresh land for it. And yeah. obviously, uh, what adds to that challenge of what you mentioned as highland is that with climate change happening, there is a need to keep moving higher and higher. Exactly, because, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so that that itself causes a environmental uh, imbalance and, and yeah, problems, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, mm -hmm. you you just mentioned uh, water consumption at the start of uh, the previous question. So let's let's just jump right into it. So there is a lot of awareness about water consumption in commercial ag agriculture. So in case of um, coffee, where does coffee stand in this? And do you have so, some numbers on consume, yeah. consume per kilo or ton or, uh, or yeah so so coffee i think uh, coffee is uh, not very different uh, to uh, so primarily coffee is a rain fed crop so mm -hmm. if you look at the total global production of coffee mm -hmm. there is a very small percentage of coffee that is irrigated which is only in some of the countries like brazil and some other countries but uh, it's a very small so does, percentage. Just, just for a moment, does Brazil have both irrigated as well as uh, rain-fed, or it's? Yeah, the bulk of the coffee in Brazil is is, is rain-fed. Oh, okay. So okay. still, you still would say, fed. Yeah, I mean, I would say it would probably be one third, two third, one third irrigated, and two third uh, still not irrigated or very partially irrigated. Right. So yeah. we did coffee does depend on nature climate, right? A lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So, so if you remove that uh, area of um, uh, rain-fed coffee, then uh, at, at that level, it is pretty much, uh, you know, uh, uh, not really putting any pressure on water resources. But when you look at the irrigate, irrigated part of coffee, that would require a similar amount of, uh, uh, similar amount of uh, water uh, as any other commercial crop. And... Uh, there, if you want some, on looking at numbers, uh, so coffee is, um, again, like I said, I mean, I'm, I will be talking more average numbers because sure. there is this cost, uh, washed coffee, there's natural coffee, there is all of that. But broadly, on the washed coffee part, the 
coffee requirement is more in the processing part of it and therefore that is what needs a lot of water requirement water requirement is yes. more on the processing because it is by name uh, it's, so, it's it's is washing right it's, yeah, it's so. wash process yes yeah. so there uh, we used to be in the past you know with uh, the older equipment technologies you would probably have somewhere anywhere upwards of 15 uh, let's say 10 and above liters of water per kilo of green bean okay right? Okay. So some of the older older technologies, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, would be 20 kilo, 20 liters of water per kilo of coffee, right? But yeah. today, uh, with investments in better technology, better equipment, and also wastewater recycling and treatment, have helped efficient producers today. If you are an efficient processor, then you would probably consume uh, slightly less than two liters of water per kg of coffee. That's that's a significant movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and this I'm talking more on the processing. Uh, part of it and uh, what about the natural side right like the coffee as a crop itself so uh, natural, uh, natural, how natural, much yeah. uh, how much water does it take i mean whether it came from rain or from irrigation but uh, does it take uh, so coffee usually needs if you look at uh, the rainfall requirement i think coffee uh, depending on how much it is spread out needs between 1200 to 1500 millimeters of water a year so uh, if you convert that uh, water into liters of water per cup then it is quite staggering i think there was a study done in 2003 2004 in mm. uh, in holland Mm -hmm. And they estimated that the overall coffee requirement of water mm -hmm. uh, was about 140 liters of water per cup across the board. That, that included growing, uh, processing, eventual, you know, trunk, yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It is about 140 liters of water per cup of coffee. <laughs> to for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Mind boggling, yeah. right? Mind boggling. Mind boggling. Right, yes. right, right. It's been. You know, uh, you've had a very interesting, uh, you know, journey with coffee, you know, where you started at, uh, you know, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, just I, I see that you started in the bushes and then, then, then yes. you're in, uh, you know, in the pods, uh, coffee business. So you have seen that industry uh, change and your own journey uh, has, has moved on so much. Yeah. So, so I have a question for you. So, you know, what is one thing that you believed that was true about coffee trade, you know, early days right. of your career or when you started out. But then over the years, I've learned that what you thought was true about that business is no, no more true. So you can pick, uh, you know, a, from any aspect of the coffee business, uh, I leave it to you. What is it that like, uh, is that like what you thought it was true, but now you know that it is not true. I think, um, so if the one thing that, that is, uh, that for me has been a revelation in all these years and you know is that when i started off uh, you know coffee uh, was and perhaps for a lot of people is today also a pure commodity right but for me that has been one big revelation that you know it's it's really got a lot of versatility it is looking like going almost the wine way with the whole uh, the whole confluence of varietal right. terroir and processing methods like you do, you know, whether are you having a, you know, a Shiraz and, you know, what is the process, whether it is early crop, late crop, late harvest, uh, what's the terroir, where is it grown, what's the geography. So I think all of these contributing to making it a more unique product. And mm. I think that is really, for me, that's been, uh, uh, you know, something I've learned. And I think it's an opportunity both for small farmers to get away from the scale problem 
mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they can never have that opportunity or can compete with the biggies mm-hmm. but also for the industry to try and engage newer and younger consumers towards coffee right yeah right, uh, right. so that i think would be and, and if i had to add and that's where the you know uh, the concept of innovation that continues to drive coffee consumption and i i find it very fascinating because uh for coffee to have you know been through this whenever you look at the numbers and when you look at the the consumption growth trends mm-hmm. you always see that it's basically uh, been going up and it has to be doing with the innovation that mm. continues to drive coffee consumption as we find newer ways to enjoy that cup of coffee right 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 fascinating fascinating discussion never thought that there is uh, you know so much to a cup of coffee that we enjoy in the, in the morning or uh, throughout the day um, fascinating discussion thank you thank you so much manish uh, for your wonderful insights and uh, viewers listeners uh, do subscribe to move conversations and uh, the trade stuff series uh, would bring in Uh, more and more such fascinating uh, insights into what we generally think is commodity business or international trade and uh, you know we don't think so much about it some of us uh, but like you as you saw today in, in our discussions with manish that it's a, a cup of coffee has got much more to it and there is uh, you know uh, the flavor and taste is in the business itself you know not just in the in the in the cup right so thank you manish so much uh, for for sharing these insights and your experiences uh, in the coffee trade grateful to you thanks thanks frank it was a pleasure being here and and sharing some of uh, my experiences with 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 you thank and you thank you very much thank you thank you so much manish and uh, viewers do uh, subscribe to move conversations and look forward to uh, more such interesting discussions in the weeks and uh, days to come thank you thank you so much